0: The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-Shirts. Go to PeaceLoveT-Shirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to PeaceLoveT-Shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Welcome to another episode of All My Favorite People podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Today I have with me Ben Markham. He is the discipleship pastor at Discovery Church here in Orlando, Florida, which just so happens to be my home church for the last decade or so. And uh, welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Brittany. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah. So you uh, may or may not know this but a, a message you gave about a year or so ago was a big catalyst to me actually starting this whole process. Um, you talked a few years ago or a year about a year or so ago about um, how ministry doesn't necessarily need to be done within the four walls of the church that God calls all of us to ministry in some way shape or form and that's really what I wanted to talk about today um, you know, this podcast was something that God kind of put on my heart as a way to just have long form conversations with people um, on topics that maybe are a little too maybe dicey for the church or, you know, things that, that, you know, a standard church may not feel comfortable covering, but Um, At the end of the day, you know, each one of us who professes to know Jesus and love the Lord, you know, he has called each one of us to something. So I'd love for you to share, first of all, a little bit about yourself, tell, tell our audience about you and your family, and then we'll jump right into what living on mission is and what it looks like.
1: Paul, well, thank you very much, and it's it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, and and really, it's a I'm honored by the fact that, uh, that a part of a sermon I gave a year ago, you know, uh, has has led to you beginning this podcast, and uh, and it, it's played a role in the story for you of living on mission uh, of starting up uh, a really what is it, a really incredible platform now for for ministry. Uh, the podcast has just given us. Um, Tremendous opportunities to hear diverse ideas, uh, you know. And I, I love podcasts. I commute, so I listen to them all the time. So I'm thankful for yours, and thankful for podcasts in general. So, yeah. Um, yeah so uh, being on mission, living on mission, is certainly something that's played a role in my life since I was very young. I, I, I definitely, Brittany. Um, um, you know, my story. I don't feel like is is like a lot. I I, I knew from age 16 what I was going to do with my life, <clears throat> and. Uh, that was uh, that is just not everybody's story. But when I was 16 years old, I was really pursuing my relationship with Christ very seriously, um, and uh, was at a conference for students, and um, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, "Go up to the altar at the end of the service." And I couldn't tell you what the sermon was about, or um, I can remember one person that was there that was a, a pastor that I know, and. Um, and anyhow, I go up to the front, and, and as I'm up there being prayed over, prayed for, I just really clearly hear the, the Lord speak into my heart, Ben, you're going to speak for me. And uh, that became a defining moment for the rest of my life, uh, for the trajectory of my life was this, you're going to speak for me. Now, understand that up to this point, um, I was not a speaker. Um, I, my dad was a preacher. I'd listened to sermons uh, three times a week my entire life. Um, but it had never been identified in me by anyone else that I had some sort of giftedness around teaching or speaking, and so I was a little bit surprised. What I what I'd been drawn to growing up was theater, and so I did find myself on several occasions on stage acting. I liked the script, I liked the interaction with the audience, uh, but again, just didn't see myself as a, as a preacher. Well, opportunities begin to come up after that and, um, uh, somewhere I failed miserably and, and somewhere, um, it almost felt like it was easy. And I begin to realize, you know, I learned some things, watch other people and begin to realize, okay, there's a wiring in me for this, just based on the reaction I'm getting from people while they're listening, not just the attaboys after the service, but the reactions I'm seeing from people. And so, um, I, you know, I, I continued on that trajectory, the, really the rest of my ministry uh, career, I, um, I've said no to opportunities uh, in ministry that I felt like were going to take me away from or give me less opportunity to be a communicator, because uh, I still go back to the first thing he said was, you're going to teach for me. Mm. And so um, some of my other skill sets have provided opportunities for me to do things that would be um, yeah, even more leadership focused or even administratively focused, running events and things like that, um, uh, running departments and overseeing staff. And, and all those are great opportunities. And I have some passion around those. But when they started to get in the way of that first, what I felt like was a first calling, um, I was like, no, I, I don't think I can say yes to that. Ultimately, I, because that calling in my life has really become a, a deep passion. And so I, I, I think it's unique because I don't know a lot of people that you know, the Lord said, you're going to do this for me. And then they discovered they loved it. Um, a lot of times it's, it's the opposite, you know, as they're, they're starting to do things, they walk in obedience and they experience the, you know, uh, the joy of discovering that they're good at something and that it gives them life. And then they realize, oh, well, that's because that's how I'm wired. And, uh, and for me, it was just a little different. It was more like God said, you're going to do this. And then I discovered why he said I was going to, because it was a it was a part of my wiring. It's part of the way he designed me. So I get tremendous joy out of being a communicator and, and out of teaching and seeing the light bulb go on over somebody's head.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I have a somewhat similar. I mean, I don't. I don't think I knew at, at such a young age what I wanted to do or be. I'm still kind <laughs> of figuring that out, and I'm almost forty. So, um, <laughs> but. Uh, You know, I had a similar experience when I was 21, where, you know, the pastor said, um, you know, if anybody, if you're feeling like God is putting something on your heart that you'll be in ministry, you know, we want to pray over you. And so I walked to the front and I let someone pray over me in that regard. Um, But at the time I thought I was going to be like a Christian rock star or like I I had grand visions of, you know, Christian fame, if you will. And obviously that's not the route God had me, but, um, and this kind of leads into, you know, my story is a big piece of why I feel on mission. Um, You know, my past and being a single mom, starting a single mom's ministry then, because, you know, that's part of my story, but that's a piece that God has allowed me to use, um, now here in the future, you know, to help other people, you know, bring other people to him. So Mm -hmm. let's jump into, you know, what living on mission really is and what it looks like and how our stories play a part of in that.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's great. I think uh, a a large part of living on mission is going to be, uh, about living in close relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, uh, for me, it always begins there. You know, yeah. um, I, I do think there are people um, who identify what they're good at and have a sense of purpose that are outside the Christian faith. But for those of us who are in the Christian faith, we, we, we derive our first sense of mission and purpose is, is to know God. Uh, and it, it begins with the great commandments of love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so that loving God with everything you have uh, begins with like this sense of togetherness with God. and so I don't view my mission in life as being apart from the Lord or just centered on what makes me fulfilled or what makes me um, or what I what people tell me I'm good at. I really see it as a partnership meaning that um, you know, every sermon I prepare, every meeting I'm called in to lead or project I take over at the church that I'm leading um, it there's a there's a sense of, um, and in a, a very real prayer that's, uh, Lord, I can't do this without you. And Lord, I don't want to do this without you. Yeah, I want to be in on what you're in on. And so I think it really becomes um, uh, a life on mission and especially a life that stays on mission into being about spiritual disciplines, about those things that keep us connected to the Lord, because I think, you know, the enemies, I think one of his number one assignments is to get us off mission. Uh, and the, the way he gets us off mission, I think initially, uh, is, is to distract us from the partnership that we have with the one who makes our mission go. Yeah. So when I'm staying close to the heart of God, when I'm listening to scripture, and that's different for everybody, I, the spiritual disciplines is, 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 a, is definitely like a, a passionate subject for me. So I could go on and on about it. But I really think it's important uh, for, for all those who are listening that they identify that way or those several ways that they connect with God. And I I think viewing it as a relationship is critical to that. Because uh, when I think of uh, my marriage, uh, uh, my wife and I connect in multiple ways. And uh, and it's not always the same way that we connect. And so sometimes it's talking. That's awesome. We have great long conversations. Sometimes it's going down memory lane. Sometimes it's just presence, just being together. Um, uh, Other times, certainly uh, for us, it's activity. We do things together, you know, we play board games, we go on walks, we go, we experience new things together. I think the same is true in our relationship with God. And so I've not found that I'm the type of person, um, and i have not found that most people are this way that, uh, they will develop one, um, method to connect with the Lord. Uh, and then they'll just do that the rest of their life. Um, I've not just found one way to connect with my wife and that's all I do. I need, we need variety. Yeah we need, we need to mix that up. And so I've gone through seasons uh, where I've journaled a lot. I've gone through seasons of, um, uh, of, of, of more silence where I was actually spending more time quiet before the Lord. Uh, certainly, certainly, uh, you know, regular uh, reading of the word. But for me, sometimes um, it, I read so much and I'm listening, you know, I'm, 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 re- I'm researching so much for sermons that when it comes time to spend time with the Lord, I would much rather be read to. Mm. And so I'll listen to scripture yeah. uh, because I find that it's, it, it doesn't feel like as much of a, a work or discipline to do that, to just hear it and think about it. And so I'll play it through an app. So that for me, I think that's where it begins, Brittany. I think it begins in a relationship with Jesus and uh, continuing to stoke the fire of that and, and see that partnership take take place.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I found myself at the beginning of last year I mean, I've, I grew up in church. I feel like I've always been, you know, since really recommitting my life back to Christ, like I've been a strong Christian, but I found myself at the beginning of last year wanting more. Um, and I think that's an awesome place for us as Christians to find ourselves because there's really no, no limit. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no too deep of, you know, going into and learning about, about God and about Christianity. Um, For me, it was studying Torah and just understanding better what the Bible really is saying. Um, And so, and I do audible things like that too. There's something about, it's almost like we've talked about in with worship, like that soaking where you just Mm kind of let it wash over you. You know, the same can be said for listening to the word. Like it's just, it's permeating your heart in a way that maybe reading it doesn't do. So I love that.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, 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 you know, when you go back uh, to the, you know, the roots of our faith in Judaism, Uh, it was an oral tradition. Scripture was read out loud. Everyone didn't pull it up, you know, or roll out a scroll and all read together. Uh, And so, yeah, there is something, I think it does kind of wash over you. And then you, you, you get to have this opportunity to say, all right, Lord, what's stuck. Um, I've listened to two chapters uh, what stuck, you know, what, what's the thing that, you know, I need to hear again, or sometimes for me, it's about even just listening to the same chapter four or five times, uh, in it. So it's not about quantity of scripture. It's about, you know, uh, quality of, of that time together. So sure. that's, I mean, that's a huge deal for me. Um, yeah, staying connected to the Lord is, is a big deal. And I think as we do that, um, we have much better insight on our mission because as I'm, as I'm spending time with the Lord, that thing that we partner in together is something that's going to come up, right? It's, yeah. it's not all just going to be working on my character, which a lot of, of spiritual discipline does end up being God exposing things in our character. But, um, but part, some of those things are really good things. Some of those things are, uh, are, are, giftings and what, and, and our passions. And uh, and I, I get the most insight from time with the Lord that's directive toward my mission. And, and, uh, and so there's I think even with that, when you get into reflective spaces with the Lord, um, he can really help to illuminate. What are you good at? Um, what's uh, what's fulfilling to you um, or during those seasons where we don't feel as on mission, those reflective moments of why aren't you feeling fulfilled? Let's pull it that thread for a while. Um yeah. Yeah, so I I think the presence of God's a huge thing. I think the other thing, you know, uh, there's multiple factors I know that come to living on mission, but community is a big deal for me too because I really did need people in my life to point out to me what I was good at. Uh, To just, you know, and I've had moments where um, uh, in recent years and all the way back into my teenage years where I just had people say, Ben, did you know that when you do that, it, like, you're good at it. It, it, it looks easy for you. And, uh, and I, uh, in my immaturity, I thought that what was easy for me was easy for everyone. Mm. Like, if I can do this, why can't everybody do this? You know, I didn't, that was, that was my immaturity. But as I begin to realize that those things that are coming natural and easy to me are a part of my wiring, but I didn't have uh, the maturity and the eyes to see that. And so putting myself around other people and putting myself in a situation where I could learn from other people and then you know there they they were good people they didn't have to come up and tell me what I was good at you know they were spiritually minded folks who saw the value in that um, so I, I think you know I would just encourage listeners if they really want to understand what their mission they do need to identify their passions and their gifts their talents and some of that can really be done in conversation and I get, there are a lot of people out there who've never had somebody walk up to them and say, did you know you're good at this? Yeah. And, and that's, to me, that's a shame. I just wish it was more prevalent that it was just cultured in every church and every community across, you know, uh, the country and across the world. We just walk up and tell each other what we saw, you know, the good things we see. Mm. That being said, um, I have also saw a lot of feedback, Brittany. You know, I've I've gone to a lot of people and just said, you know, what was, what was good? What was bad? What didn't work? Uh, what do you see in me personally? And so yeah. some of that's feedback on the way I teach, but a lot of it is just, what do you see? You know, when you look at me, what, what am I good at? What do you think I'm good at? That's not easy to do. It's hard to go ask people for feedback, um, but it's, it's really, you know, it's really important. I know, I know those things can play in our minds. Like what if they say nothing? Or what if they have no answer for what I'm good at? Uh, but if you've got some, some big godly people in your life, I, I recommend getting around them and just saying, Hey, I'm trying to determine what I'm good at. Could you be paying attention? Yeah. yeah. You pointed well,
0: out. Yeah. What would you say to people who maybe aren't in community with others that they feel like they can do that? Are there other resources that they can look to or find? Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, there's, there are free spiritual gift tests online, um, and I think one is actually just simply called com, and, uh, and I've utilized it and sent people to it. Um, we also, we offer a class called um, um, you know, Finding Your Fit uh, at Discovery Church. And uh, anybody, they don't have to attend our church. They can get on our website, see when we're offering it and just attend it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not just one long pitch to attend our church. It's an opportunity for people to learn what they're good at. Um, I do think uh, there are some tremendous resources out there that you know in the secular marketplace where they've they've tapped into this understanding that knowing what you're good at helps you to be a better employee, better worker, more fulfilled. And so I've taken a lot of them, um, but Strengths StrengthsFinder, and it's actually the book, Strengths StrengthsFinder 2.0, is uh, is one of the best uh, that I've seen out there. And uh, it it doesn't just identify um, gifts in the way that we would talk about them excuse me, but it identifies what what your strengths are and what's motivating those strengths. And so uh, those can actually shift during seasons of your life. Whereas a lot of times your spiritual gifts, um, you know, somewhere in your early 20s, whatnot, they're going to lock in. And those are going to be some of the things you're good at uh, for the rest of your life. Um, I think more sometimes get added uh, to it. But uh, yeah, if, if if I was looking for resources, I would go to StrengthsFinder, I would go to Um, Myers-Briggs. There's one called the DISC, D-I-S-C profile. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably my favorite uh, one because it'll actually show you um, your spiritual gifts with your personality profile. You can do them together. And Mm -hmm. so it shows you the combination of both your personality and your giftedness uh, and how those things could work together and what you could potentially be good at. And then, you know, I know you're a fan of the Enneagram um, and I think, a wonderful resource and tool for self-knowledge. It may not help you determine right away um, uh, all your giftedness, but it helps you get at your wiring, you know? And so for me, as I read it, I found out I was a performer and there were certain things tied to performers, good, healthy things, um, and then some negative, unhealthy, you know, things that could be a part of it. All of those things, if you're on a journey to discover who you are, um, and the way you're wired and what your mission is, I think all of them can be really helpful. I, but, but I do think that um, they're best experienced with someone else. And so if, if, one, you know, if one of your listeners isn't in any, any community at all, and they're not a part of a church, a small group or anything like that, I would still recommend that if they were taking those things, they ask somebody out to coffee and say, here's what I'm doing can I tell you about it? Can I talk to you about it? Can we hash it out a little bit? Because things get uncovered. So it could even just be a best friend.
0: Yeah, I could not agree with that more either. That's when I uh, found out about and started studying Enneagram, it was like my very best friend. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to take this. Like, let's do this together. Um, because it is exciting to find out not only about yourself, but the people you know, around you in your life. Mm-hmm. Are, does that mean you're a three
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm a three. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm, so, a former, I'm a three. And, uh, and it was very enlightening for me. And I, you know, I didn't take the Enneagram until I was in my forties, uh, you know, either. And so there's still this kind of continued journey of discovery that was really cool. And Enneagram is different than all the rest. Yeah. Uh, it offers things that the others don't.
0: Yeah. Road back to you guys is a great book. If you're looking yeah. for Enneagram through a Christian perspective, um, yeah. I'm a two. And I'll tell you when you said the thing about asking people what you're good at, like, I would never do that. (laughs) That is so like intimidating. And when you said like, what if they have nothing to say? That's literally where my mind goes immediately because that, you know, there's that like fear that people don't like me as a two. Um, whereas I'm sure as a three, you have to really consider being humble and, and taking those things, those positive things with a different kind of attitude, if you were, you know, another number per se. So, yeah,
1: you know, three, um, uh, when I took the Enneagram, uh, one of my major takeaways it was it, it explained a deep conflict in me. Um, and, uh, and I hope this isn't getting too, too off subject, but it explained a deep conflict in me because the road back to you explains that the lie that threes often tell themselves is that if people really knew who we were, um, they wouldn't like us. And uh, it's this pervasive lie that follows them because they're so good at being in a room and ad- adapting you know, to people and, and making people feel comfortable, being a host, being on stage, things like that. But this, uh, this other attribute, this wing number that I have, uh, has this deep drive for authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the conflict I would feel is performers wanna be liked and they wanna make everyone feel good uh, but they also want to be deeply authentic. And they're also hearing this lie of don't let people know who you really are, because uh, they probably won't like you if they knew who you really were. So there's been this, you know, uh, it explained for me a lot of why sometimes I, I would overshare an authenticity and uh, why it sometimes I, I would push so hard for authenticity. It was it was more actually rooted in fear than it wasn't just a desire to be authentic. I wanted to drive people away first. Uh, like just tell them every, all this stuff about me and they want to leave, they leave now because I don't want to hold any secrets about myself. Um, but it, 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 there was, it was conflict there. And now I understand the drive and that it, it helps me. It helps me tremendously. Um, when you think of uh, in, in my particular role, in my mission of being a communicator, if you stand in front of people and there's this lie in the back of your head uh, that keeps going saying, oh man, these people don't know you. And if they really knew you, they wouldn't listen to anything you had to say. Mm. You know, it, it, it really becomes this, this driving force that can, that can get you off of mission or that can keep you from being good at your mission, uh, from really being uh, effective, as effective as you want to be. And so all of those resources, I think, work together uh, because now when I hear that lie, I just expose it for what it is. I'm like, the Lord knows me. <laughs> He's the only person I need to know me Uh, and he's good with me and he wants me here in this position. So, you know uh, that's a lie and I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. So having that lie exposed was huge for me in terms of of mission and and, uh, being able to be effective.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, I think threes probably do feel that, but I I can tell, I tell you as a two wing three, I feel it too, you know? Um, And I think a lot of people do. I mean, there is something to be said for, you know, only you and God really know the deepest, darkest, hardest, worst things about yourself. And every day, you know, we have to wake up and realize we are sinners Mm -hmm. (laughs) still. And first and foremost, but we've got grace thankfully through, through Christ. So we can pursue those missions, you know, without letting those negative thoughts and lies kind of drag us down and and keep us from doing it. Yeah. You've got a couple more, uh, couple other bullet points, right? On uh, ways we could yeah. get on mission.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, you know, the first two being the presence of God and then understanding our passion, you know, what fulfills us and then what our giftings are. But I think it's really important um, to look at our past and at our pain. Um, you know, your, your past, uh, I think sometimes when I say the past, people might go instantly to regret. And that's not really what I mean. I just mean where you're from and uh, the, the home life you grew up in, and the community you grew up in around, um, all of those things uh, really work together, uh, I think, to build a platform, um, and I'm, you know, so, you know, I speak, and so I'll use a metaphor related to speaking, but um, but they build a platform that we can stand on uh, to go after our, our, our giftedness, and or go after our mission, and what God's called us to, so, you um, I've known you know, so many um, people over the years that have invested in teenagers because I spent 18 years as a student pastor. So in those 18 years, one of my greatest um, you know, desires was to connect people uh, who were godly people, love Jesus, into mentor relationships with students. And so I've just seen people from all walks of life and uh, come and do that. And what I've, I've seen consistently is how their past plays into their, their present ability to be on mission. And so um, what I mean by that is I've had um, many men uh, who uh, would tell you there's a part of their story, they never had another man speak into their life or the men that did speak into their life spoke such lies uh, mm. or, uh, or um I mean, lies might just be the, the best overall word to say there. The lies could be just worldview, how to view the world and it being negative, the lies related to, to who they are as a man, uh, or or just never had men that said anything in general. And when they would get the opportunity to mentor, and i cast that vision of you could be someone who helps a young man um, find out what they're good at, find out that Jesus loves them, uh, and and define manhood for them as an example. Uh, they would they would it would light them up and it was their past that spoke into that because they would just be determined to offer to somebody else what they didn't have totally. and so that, that it, it was where they were from if it was a broken home or an absent father situation uh, or just a, a father who was present and uh and completely emotionally unavailable they would step in to mentor these young men and it would, it would change them equally i've seen people men and women um, who were raised in really really healthy environments And uh, what motivated them from their past was they're like, I see the brokenness around me and I'm living into a health that I deeply appreciate. And I wanna help other people to have that health and to have have that. And I was invested in, so I'm gonna give back in the same way that I was invested in. So um, I I just have so many former students now um, in student ministries kind of across the country uh, who are just investing in other students mm. because of the way they were invested in, and they they went away to to college or they've got into the workforce and in life and they made good decisions and good things have happened uh, for them and they they want to they want to show other people the way. So our past, I think, definitely speaks into that, and and those parts of our past, I think, are outside of our control. Uh, we didn't we didn't determine the neighborhood we were born in, uh, at the income level that we were born and. Um, the color of our skin, uh, all, all those things. We didn't determine if our mom and dad were gonna stay together or if they were together before we were married or after. We, that is just a part of the story that we've inherited and God wants to use that. So I don't think we look at our past and go, ah, oh, you know, I'm a victim. I'm, you know, uh, I, I, it's, it's so unfair that I've had to struggle more than others. Um, I think what we have to see is that that struggle is God's been using to build a platform for you to stand on and um through your mission declare his goodness declare uh, and to live into the mission he has for you. Does that make sense?
0: Yes and amen. <laughs> because yeah. like seriously, I um I believe that for myself. Like I know that my pain was for a reason and my poor decision making and of my past has been redeemed through some of the things that I have been allowed and guys allowed for me to be a part of and do. Um, but I also love that you bring up that it doesn't like you can be really healthy and still look to your past that was really healthy to help others. Because yeah. I think, like you said, so many times people think, oh, my past. And they they do. They go, at least for me, I go right to regret. I go right to the mistakes I made and things like that. Um, but that there's still just as much of a place for you know, the young man or young woman who grew up in a great loving Christian home and, you know, that's been modeled to them and now they can model that to someone else or their kids or whatever. Um, because I know, I think if I remember correctly, like you grew up in a Christian home, you kind of had this, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know your life. No, so I, I can't know. say for You're sure.
1: Right, <laughs> <But> <laughs> right on, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know, is a unique setting in our home. Um, you know, uh, throughout my childhood, and um, you know, I, I, my dad and I have talked about all of this. Um, my, my dad was a pastor, but bivocational. And so what the impact that has on a family is that you've got a dad that's just not really around a lot um, because he's going to work all day, then he's coming home and trying to be a pastor to people in the evening. And where we lived, there was a large hospital that everyone in the state would get sent to. And they would call him, pastors from all over the state would call him and say, I've got somebody, could you go visit him? Mm. And where he was at, just being excited to be in ministry and all that, he would just say yes to all of those things. And so um, there were um, there were some real complications with that. I think that actually had a greater impact on my brothers than it did on me personally. But there there was a real sacrifice or cost to being in a pastor's home. And so uh, growing up, I, there was actually a stigma about pastor's kids being wild and crazy. Um, I don't know that that stigma is as strong today, but you may be familiar with it. And then part of the reason was is um, it was the only way they could get their parents' attention. They would, they would be so over being dragged to church all the time, but not having a real relationship with their mom or dad um and in their whole life was just centered around what their mom and dad were doing all the time for the lord and not around the, the home life they, they they went the other direction and i was really fortunate um uh i, I think to develop some um uh, some my relationship with god apart from my parents at a young age and that that certainly helped with it but i i have brothers um you know one brother in particular uh who does not walk with lord isn't 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 with god um he has uh, he's a two-time felon he's uh, you know um uh, mostly because of drug related um you know uh, issues he had, he's had in his life he's two times divorced uh you know uh, kids with three different women i mean it's that kind of a we we grew up in the same home right <laughs> we grew up in the same home and have made wildly different decisions with our lives so some of like i think that if there was a benefit i had that he didn't he was 5 years older than me was that at a kind of a crucial age around 11 or 12, my dad took over a church where he could be full time and they had a youth pastor and, uh, and they, they had a youth group. And now I was spending time around other kids who had similar values to me. Up to that point, I was going every day to a public school and, and really acting completely different than I did at home. And I just thought I could manage that for a while. And it, it, it came just to a point where I realized I couldn't. And, I, and, and also that I didn't have to anymore because I had these group of friends that I could I could be a part of. So I, our past, you know, I didn't have control over a lot of that. Um, God's used it in great ways. You know, uh, it, it's, it's been really, really cool for me uh, to see. But I, you you touched on something, and I'll just I like to speak to this for a minute, and that is just specifically our pain. Because I I think our we've got our past and we've got our pain and our pain is is two things our pain comes from either really poor decisions we've made um, or as a result of uh, life circumstances and that could be the decisions someone else made uh, or or those those things that are really outside of our control I've had friends who uh, lost their homes in floods and fires you know or there were auto accidents or there were there were you know natural forces at work that. Um, someone died in, you know, at a very, very young age and, uh, and there was nothing they could have done about it. And, uh, a, a cousin died, uh, just, you know, just a year ago, uh, within like 21 days in the period, they had discovered she had stage four lung cancer and she died at age 34 and she had just had her first child. And so, uh, it was, it was, I mean, just tragic and devastating. Well, their whole family, all of us are dealing with pain as a result of something that no one, nothing, nobody did anything to us. And so I, I think that God uses all of those things. Um, he does take our pain and from it can emerge tremendous purpose. And so, um, you know, I know for, for me, um, you know, the story of my brother and where he's been at, I've been able to minister to people who have siblings, uh, you know, and I really empathize with, with, with those parents. have children and because i've seen it my mom and dad uh, who have gone uh, the wrong way with their life and in very destructive ways and into drugs and alcohol i've been able to really empathize and sympathize with people who suffer from grief um because kind of from a young age and i think especially in these last five years i've just lost a lot of people um it's just happened and um no nobody did that to me but but i've seen god's redemptive work in that that I'll come across these conversations with people who are so hurt and wounded in their grief right now. And, uh, and I, I don't have to come along and give them advice, but I, I can show them I'm still standing, you know, and I'm still here. and I still believe God's good and I can empathize with the hurt that they, they feel. So I, those two things I think really play together, our past and our pain. And and those aren't necessarily because of all just the bad decisions we made. And I think that's really critical to understand for abuse victims. Um, for sure. They did nothing wrong, right? right. Uh, I've, I've, I've journeyed with people who suffered abuse, um, who after really living into in, in, in the healing that God had for them, they, they really became healers uh, for other people. And uh, and that's, that's a powerful, I think that's an only God thing. I love it when he does that.
0: Oh, yes. I'm going to plug my next, uh, one of my podcast episodes as you saying this, because I yeah. spoke with um, Noel Moore, who um, started the Finley Project after losing her daughter. Um, and m- one of my girlfriends, uh, Chistel, started a domestic survivor, domestic violence survivor um, program, because she is a domestic violence survivor. And so I think right there, two perfect examples of, you know, you didn't make this choice per se, you know, this was something that, Um, you know, got allowed for some reason. And now we know that that reason is to help others, you know? Um, And, and I know personally, like you're able to process, it's challenging, but you process your own pain and your own past while helping others. It's not that you get better and now you can help others um, all the time. It's usually a process of just Mm -hmm. continually working through all of that.
1: Yeah, I think it is. And, and there are setbacks, you know, you get, sure. you know, you get to a point where um, you can really help somebody in an area because you're experiencing some healing. Doesn't mean that you won't experience a wave again of, of pain or that stuff won't surface again at some point point. you have to deal with it. Um, but again, that God still just uses that. He still continues to use the fact that we're on a journey, but I, I think it's really hard to see when you're in the middle of the pain how God's going to use that as a part of your purpose. But I I think that's why it's so important that we we look to scripture and examples uh, in our own lives, like the ones you have of people you've seen who've lost children, who are survivors of of domestic abuse. I think it's it's critical that we hold up these examples uh, to bring hope to people, to say, um, you know, their abuse is not who they are. Their loss is not who they are it defines a part of them because it's a part of their life. It's a part of their story, but it doesn't define all of them. And, and so that, I think, you know, I, I love that you bring up and that you're bringing people on your show who are on the other side of these things and, uh, and, and who can give that hope. Cause we've got to champion this. We've got to champion the people who are living into their purpose and, and, and who are doing it based on what God's done in their past and, or what not God's done, but what God God's done with their past and what, he, what he's done with their pain. So I love that. I'm glad they're, they're, they're coming on. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, me too. I think it'll be really helpful for people to hear, like you said, the other side, you know, you've, you're not fixed. You're not necessarily better, but you're in the process of working through and letting God work through you to help other people um, at the same time. So I love that. What's your last, what's your last P? Cause there's four P's, right?
1: Well, no, yeah. So oh, did they, we do them? Yeah, we did, okay. we did. <laughs> our past and then our pain. Uh, and I, I like to, I like to separate those two um, because I, I do think our past, like your family of origin and in uh, where you're from, it could be the city you were born and all that, I, the neighborhood you come from. I think your past and your pain should be kind of parsed out uh, because there's nuances to them that are very different. Uh, and both include some things we can't control necessarily. Uh, and, and in both, you know, the, our past isn't necessarily, like I said before, all filled with negative, um, but your pain, <laughs> you, you know, it's hard to look at pain and just go, oh, I love that. You know, that's awesome. It'd give me some more pain. Our pain really, um, uh, I think is a separate thing because it, it, um, uh, there is such a, a negative connotation to it. And yet, uh, if, if I were to give you a kind of a parting thought though, I would say um, looking to Romans 5, 3 through 5 or to James chapter one um, in the first four verses there, what you see are men uh, who are writing to the church, the men who have suffered and, uh, and who have been through things who are saying, listen, if you embrace the process uh, and you persevere, that perseverance will produce character, character produces hope that hope doesn't disappoint james's idea is let god you know take this pain and let it do its perfect work in you and bring you to a place of perfection and maturity uh, in him and so there's a process i think we need to embrace that when we go through these things we look at our past we look at our pain that really helps us to get to the mission God has for us, the purpose He has for us. But we have to embrace the process and uh, and understand that it really is never over. Um, I think one of the um, one of the, the profound truths for me in the last couple of years um, that you guys you know really worked on me on is because I've never been where I'm going to be, I'll never be finished, and uh, just meaning that. Um, I'm, I'm in my early 40s now with a couple teenagers, and I'm, I've just arrived here. I've never been in this phase of life. Yeah. So it's a new process for me to go through. It's, it's at work to make me more uh, mature. That's at work to, uh, to produce character in me. Soon, you know, hopefully not too soon, I'm going to be a parent with kids in college, Right. I've never been there before. And when I get there, there's going to be whole new lessons to learn in that phase of life. And so I think just embracing that journey, um, I think there's a mentality we have as Americans that there's this finish line that we'll reach in our maturing with Christ. And it's just not real. <laughs> it's, there's no, we don't get to like, you know, I've, I've had my mind like, you know, by the time I'm like 45 or 50, I'll have this figured out. You know, I'll really, really have it down. And it just isn't the case. <laughs> And I think that I think that's so true, even related to our mission, because Brittany, I'm doing things now on my mission that I simply couldn't have done in my early 30s or my 20s. And and so God's actually continuing to reveal to me new things I'm good at or new Mm -hmm. things that are fulfilling to me. And those things shift and change. And it's because I just arrived here today, never been here today before. And, uh, and it really, so that, that, that's the thought I would leave is just to embrace that journey um, because life happens in process, yeah. not in the final product. Yeah. Uh, so much of life is just the journey, uh, not the destination. And so um, yeah, just uh, awesome things to think on and embrace.
0: Very cool. Well, yeah. you did not know this, but James one, one through four is my life verse, and it has been oh, wow. for a long time. So I'm just sitting here smirking as you're telling us about it because that's like I I, it's hard to consider it all joy when you're facing trials of many kinds it's super challenging but there is something beautiful that comes from embracing and just attempting to wrap your head around the idea that like God has this this there's a reason for this and God's Mm going to use it Um, and even just reminding yourself of that verse to just press on like you know he (laughs) he's gonna make a way you know and so I love that that's what you shared I know you're um wrapping up but I do actually have one last question for you before we call our time um you're a dad of teenagers I'm a mom of a teenager our kids we I've never been here before either um and you led youth ministry for many years so what would you say to the parent who's trying to help their teen figure out their mission? Because that's, that could be a whole other podcast, but if sure. you could maybe share a little bit what you're thinking in that regard.
1: Well, um, I, I think uh, there, there's, you know, a couple approaches, but one of the, the metaphors I, I like is just to help your kids check boxes um, and, and meaning that um, uh expose them to a number of different avenues of, of service, of, of, of giftedness, of interest. Uh, and, and sometimes it's, yeah you know, we tried this and that did not work. Well, the win, the counter all joy moment is, we know that doesn't work, check that box. You know, uh, we, uh, we've pursued the, the, the arts path. All right. And this one part of the arts was painting and it didn't work and uh, it gave them a headache and they, they hated it. All right. Well, now we know painting's just not going to be it. So that wasn't a waste of time, you know, Thank but you. I think exposing them to uh, environments and spaces where they can, they can figure some things out like that. I also think, um, you, you know, your kids so well, if you're praying for your student, praying for your, your teenager, um, you will probably be one of the more significant people in their life that can say hey did you realize you're good at this you know did you know that you're good at that and so even just last night um my my 12 year old um he has a tremendous wit um he he notices stuff he he's interested in everything it seemed like he's interested in a lot of like small details nobody cares about um but to him it's interesting and fascinating and so I just pointed that out to him. I'm like, yeah, but, you, but you're really funny. You know, I don't know if you know, you, you know that, Max, but you're just really funny. Uh, and, and so I, that's not, wasn't like this uh, maybe life altering or profound thing, but what we don't necessarily know with teenagers that we can sometimes predict with children is we don't know what's gonna stick. Um, you know, as, as a former teenager myself, the things I remember are probably not what my parents intended for me to remember. The things that stuck are probably not the things that they set up super intentionally. Um, some maybe, but there are plenty that weren't. Uh, and so uh, I think just speaking to our kids when we see that they're good at something, um, it, it can add a tremendous value you know, to them as well. And so if it's that they picked up an instrument and they seem kind of musically inclined, point that out. You know, you seem kind of musically inclined like you you know, this doesn't seem hard for you. Does it feel hard? I go, no, it's not hard. I'm like, well, you know, it's not easy for everyone, right? There's probably something to the fact that you can do this easily. Mm-hmm. So um, help them experience new things. And then when they do, um, you know, I, 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 like to, I like to jump in and be interested in what my kids are interested in, um, but I, I don't want to get ahead of them on it. I don't want my passion for it to exceed theirs. And so, get it get it get in see what they're interested in and point them in that direction but yeah does that help
0: yeah thank you <laughs> and, and i'm wishing you the best of luck in the next couple of years as you're dealing with all of that fun boy teenager stuff too so well,
1: well Brittany, it's a it's it's a i i'm really enjoying the phase yeah. uh, right now uh, I, i'm i'm really i'm having a lot of fun with it um what does happen though, is there's is this rising sense of urgency uh, of, of, you know, when they, when they look like children, it seems like a long time before they'll be an adult. And when they quit looking like children and they start looking like teenagers, you start to realize adulthood's fast approaching and are they ready for it? And if I prepared them uh, and that, you know, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now is, are they ready? And I have, I prepared them. And, uh, and so, yeah, You know, just best of luck. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm right there with you, friend. (laughs) Well, I will be praying for you and your boys and your sweet family. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I'm going to just direct everyone to discoverychurch.org if you're interested in listening. Um, Ben actually gave a sermon. I believe it was Living Life on Mission um, just a few weeks ago. If you want to hear that in its entirety, check it out at discoverychurch.org. Or you can watch every week online. I love my church, so I want you to love it too.
1: It's called called "We Were Made for This," and it's from our Acts uh, Acts twenty one twenty two. So I I think it was given December second week in December sometime. So awesome! Yeah, thank you, Ben. I
0: appreciate your time. You're
1: very welcome. Have a good
0: one. (laughs) Hey friends, thanks so much for watching, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit that little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of our Life Jesus style gear and all my favorite people gear. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.